The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Disney Deciphered is brought to you by Orlando Stroller Rentals, our number one stroller rental company in Orlando. I always rent from Orlando Stroller Rentals when I'm renting a stroller for Disney World, and they've made it super convenient to get your stroller by picking it up at MCO Airport when you arrive and dropping it off when you leave. They're also conveniently located in Terminal B on the same side as the Magical Express. Or, if you prefer, they can meet you at your hotel for drop-off. Check them out at orlandostrollerrentals.com, and if you let them know that you heard about them from Disney Deciphered, you can receive a 10% credit on your stroller rental. Now, on to the show. Disney Deciphered, a podcast saving you money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we discuss Joe's January trip to Disney World with his extended family and talk about what he learned and tips that you can use when you plan your upcoming trips to Disney World. Find all the episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. If you'd like to support the show, check us out on Patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As The Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips With Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I was in Disney World for four nights, three park days over a marathon weekend, and I want to share some of the things I learned over that trip. It's too long of a trip to kind of go through an in-depth trip report. If you're interested in kind of live trip reports, you can check out our Patreon page where we post, you know, day by day recaps of what we're doing. But I thought what would be most useful is if we kind of went through what I did park by park and just share tips and tricks that I gleaned from each of those parks. So Leslie, we're going to switch chairs. You're going to take over. You're going to ask me all the questions. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, Joe. But before we dive in, let me just stress, like, how many Disney trips has this been for you in the last couple of months? Was this number three? Is that right? Who are you, my wife? What's going on here? (laughs) What's the third degree? Uh, Yeah, that would be three in three months. So I got my annual pass on October 9th, and I got to Disney World on January 9th. So within those three months, this was my third trip. So yeah. Yes. Please don't remind my wife. Getting your money's worth, I guess. I mean, in all fairness, I do have three uh, Disneyland trips and to start out 2020. So I guess I'm equally guilty. But uh, yes, <laughs> hypocrite warning. <laughs> Pot, meat, kettle. All right. Well, let's first talk about at the airport. I know you rented a stroller this trip. So tell us about how that worked out for you. Yeah. So before I talk about my experience with Orlando Stroller Rentals, obviously they're a new ad sponsor for the show, which we're pretty excited about. But I want to make sure everyone knows that, you know, I paid Orlando Stroller Rentals the same way that anyone who rents from Orlando Stroller Rentals would, uh, except for I got the same 10% credit that Disney Deciphered listeners would get if you're renting from Orlando Stroller Rentals. And I'm happy to say that I was happy to pay it because I had a great experience with them. Things have changed at Disney World. They no longer will allow stroller rental companies to drop off 
the strollers at Disney resorts, which used to be super convenient. They would leave it at will call and you could just pick it up. But I've used Orlando stroller rentals for a long time. And so I was talking to them and they said, we actually have a pickup place at the airport. And that's the easiest thing to do these days if you're flying in from the airport. And you know, normally if you're flying in, that's the situation where you need to rent a stroller. So super convenient. It is on the Terminal B side, which is the same side as the Magical Express. So I went over the Terminal B side. It is actually on the opposite end of Magical Express. So it is still a little bit of a walk, but I went over there, picked up my stroller and it was no problem. You know, I spoke to the people there at the desk. It's actually called the Hold My Luggage Desk. I guess um, Orlando Stroller Rentals must contract them out or something like that. And they said for drop off, if you have a, like a really late flight or something like that, you can always just drop it and leave it behind the desk and that's all you got to do. So it was super easy and convenient to pick up the stroller and to drop it off at the end of my trip. And it's a it was a really nice stroller. It was a city mini uh, folded up really easily. I think actually, you know, they must have upgraded their fleet since I rented from them two years ago because uh, it was much smoother. Uh, it was much easier to break down. And last time I rented a stroller, I lost my backpack. This time I didn't. So I call that a win as well. Yes, for sure. Well, that does sound really easy. Is that in the, the lower level, like the same level that the Magical Express is on? Yeah, you actually go down to the level of Magical Express and then go the opposite direction of the Magical Express signs. That's where you get your stroller and then you follow your Magical Express signs to get on the Magical Express. Got it. That sounds fairly easy. I guess I, we would probably send one parent down that way while we slowly walk with the other children down towards the Magical Express. Always thinking about those divide and conquer strategies in our family. Smart, smart. Okay, let's move on to our favorite park, Epcot. How was Epcot looking these days? And tell us about what you learned from Epcot this trip. Oof, it's uh, still looking rough. I did get there right before, actually today, as we're recording, they opened three new shows, Awesome Planet. They opened the Beauty and the Beast sing-along and also the new Canada show has started today on January 17th when we're recording. But when I was there on January 9th, uh, none of that had opened yet. And Future World is really quite a mess. You know, it just feels like a construction zone. It is not great. And to top it all off, we had a dining reservation at Garden Grill to go meet Chip and Dale. And when we checked in for the reservation, they were like, um, there's a little bit of a fire downstairs. So we're evacuating the building. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's not good. So Epcot is not uh, in peak form, but we still had a good time. We rode on Frozen Ever After, which apparently is the scariest ride my kids have ever been on because their heads were buried in my lap the entire time. Don't know what was going on there, but I did take my daughter on Soren and she really loved it much more this time than she did two years ago when she last went. So all in all, I call that a success. Well, thank goodness Maelstrom is gone because if they're scared by Frozen Ever After, I don't know what like those creepy 1990s trolls would have done to them. <laughs> I'm just like, they're singing, do you want to build a snowman? Like, what is scary about this? I don't know. I just, like, I'll never understand kids. <laughs> oh, well, I'm hoping we're going to turn the corner ourselves with the being scared uh, with my kid, my younger child yeah. as well, but. I will, I will get to that. There is some progress on the, that front for me. In terms of what I picked up from Epcot, uh, just a couple tips to share. The character spot where you used to meet Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy, it no longer exists. So the characters have moved. They're meeting in different places. So Mickey meets in the Imagination Pavilion. Minnie meets in one of those pagodas that's near the entrance to World Showcase. And Goofy, I kind of forget where he is. But another tip on that 
I guess Disney has moved away from their characters can only appear in one place at one time thing. Because when you're coming in from the International Gateway, Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy are also there. Actually, the lines are pretty short. So we got some shots with Minnie and we're really like third in line. You know, if you're looking for your characters, they're spread around Epcot. You can still find them, but definitely moved and they're no longer in central locations, which may work out better because you're not waiting in line as much. Yeah, that's right. I guess with everything closed, Disney's Disney's thinking that they've got to throw a lot more characters at the park to just keep people people busy and give them things to do. But yeah, as always, uh, check the app, though, to make sure you know where the locations are, because this could be a moving target in the many months that come. Definitely. All right. If there's nothing else on Epcot, let's go over to Hollywood Studios. And I know you got to ride Rise of the Resistance again. And there are other things in that park as well, right? <laughs> Right. So I did ride Rise of the Resistance again. Um, we're going to do an update episode on Rise of the Resistance, but just for purposes of this trip report, I showed up at around 6.30, was in the gates by 6.50 and got a boarding group right at 7 a.m. I actually got boarding group 15. Didn't actually ride the ride until 7.30 p.m., but uh, I've spoken about that on subscriber episode. So you know, I'm going to leave that here. We had a lot of fun at Hollywood Studios. That was the first day that my sister and her kids were there. And so, you know, it was all eight of us together. It was a bit of an adjustment traveling in a bigger group. You kind of can't move as quickly. There's a lot more potential conflict, but overall, it was a, a lot of fun. A couple things to note from Hollywood Studios. We rode Slinky Dog Dash. So I got my daughter on Slinky Dog Dash and she was like, well, that was okay. You know, I think her cousin gave her the bravery to go on. Um, you know, they sat in a row together and I sat behind them. One thing to know about Slinky Dog is Rider Switch is actually at a separate location from the queue. So there's a bridge that goes up to Slinky Dog. If you can imagine it, you kind of queue up on the right side. Um, but Rider Switch is under a green umbrella on the left. So if you need to Rider Switch, make sure you check in there to do that. And if you have any questions about how Rider Switch works, they're super helpful there. There was actually a family who had someone who was too young to ride and they didn't even know it. Um, and they directed them over to Rider Switch and they kind of taught them what they needed to do. A couple of kind of funny things. My dad saw an ad for Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and he was like, should I go ride that? And I was like, yeah, go single rider that. And I told him our trick. I was like, go left, blah, blah. blah. And he was like, is that a, is it going to be bumpier or less bumpy than Star Tours? What do you think, Leslie? Do you think Smuggler's Run is more or less bumpy than Star Tours? I think it's more bumpy than Star Tours, but I'm interested to hear what he said. Well, you have the right answer because he had gone on Star Tours with myself and uh, the two older kids, my daughter and my and her cousin before. And I, he was like, should I go on Smuggler's Run? And I was like, yeah, it's newer technology. It's less bumpy than Star Tours. That, that ride's 30 years old. Don't worry about it. And he got off the ride and he was like, Joe, you were wrong. It was way bumpier. So uh, <laughs> you totally let him astray. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the single rider works. So, you know, one out of two ain't bad. I guess but, that's um, true. I, the only reason I think I got the answer right, Joe, or at least is I just rode Star Tours 12 hours ago at Disneyland. And it wasn't, I remember thinking, hey, that wasn't as thrilling as I remember it being. So maybe in the, the needle has moved for me with Smuggler's Run. So we should give Smuggler's Run more credit for being, you know, it's been panned a lot, but it gets more than Star Tours. So there you go. And we should note that Star Tours has the new Rise of Skywalker scenes in it, which are pretty cool, frankly. Um, I wasn't the hugest fan of the movie, but I am a fan of the new scenes in Star Tours. If you haven't been on Star Tours lately, make sure you check that out. I think it'll be the, I think it'll exclusively be Rise of Skywalker scenes for another couple of weeks. And then eventually they'll start, you know, mixing them in with, um, all the other ones. Yeah, I loved the Rise of Skywalker scenes. So be sure to see the movie before you head to D Disney World if, uh, you haven't seen it yet. One more thing. So I used our FastPass refresh technique from uh, our Advanced FastPass Plus episode. And Leslie, 
I hate to tell you, but thanks to my son, I was forced to use this technique to fast pass refresh for alien swirling saucers all day. And I would like you to take a guess how many times he rode alien swirling saucers and how many times I had to ride it with him. Oh gosh, I'm scared to guess. Uh, I hope he rode it at least four times. And I hope Leslie, you wrote it less than that. <laughs> Leslie, this boy rode Alien Swirling Saucers seven times in one day. Okay. Five of them were fast passes and five of them were with me. Poor me riding Alien Swirling Saucers with my terrible back being thrown around. Um, oh. But I got I to gotta say, I, I like... I can't believe I'm saying this, and I think it's a bit of Stockholm Syndrome, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm starting to enjoy this ride. And they still kind of had the Christmas overlay music and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And my son was having a lot of fun. So yeah, it's definitely Stockholm Syndrome, but what are you going to do? I had no problem fast pass refreshing for Alien Swirling Saucers. By the later part of the day, the standby lines were short enough. So I think overall, we waited in standby lines for like 35 minutes. That's for two of the rides. And then we used fast pass for the other five rides which is a ridiculous number of fast passes for one ride. Fast pass refresh worked very well. Outside of Slinky Dog, I was able, or I would have been able to get every single ride at Hollywood Studios. I saw Rock and Roller Coaster at times. Tower of Terror was readily available. Toy Story Mania came up from time to time and Alien Swirling Saucers was up all the time. And of course the shows were not hard to get. So if you're looking to ride those tier one fast passes outside of Slinky Dog, you can still get them during the day. Just make sure you use that fast pass refresh technique. Search for fast passes all day. Yeah, that's a great tip. I think with so many people coming in to ride everything in Galaxy's Edge, that is making the rest of the park strange, I guess, in terms of its usual patterns. So uh, yeah, great tip. I'm glad to know that you were able to get so much with Fast Pass Refresh, but you always seem to have more luck with it than I do. Magic Finger or something. Am I really that lucky if I had to ride Alien Swirling Saucers five times? <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's head over to Magic Kingdom. What did you do? What did you see? What did you learn? All right. So first thing, um, and probably one of the best tips is, as I spoke about in the Art of Animation review, I had to take a really long bus ride to Magic Kingdom. It was actually a side here. The kids wanted to ride the Skyliner so bad. And they're like, what? We can't ride the Skyliner in Magic Kingdom? So I was like, okay, we'll ride the Skyliner to Riviera and then take the bus from there to Magic Kingdom. We took the bus from Riviera, but the marathon was being run, which Another aside, I was very sad about since I was supposed to run the half marathon, but I couldn't because of my back. And I saw everyone wearing their medals and I was supremely jealous of everybody. So I got to get back and do a run Disney race sometime. But anyway, we were stuck on the bus for like 40 minutes because of road closures. And so we got on the bus at Riviera around like 9.10, 9.15. We didn't enter the park until like 10 a.m. So I went straight to guest relations and I told them what happened. I also told them my sister had lined up for the bus at Art of Animation at 8.13 and didn't get to Magic Kingdom until like 9.40, 9.45. And they were like, oh, so you think you lost like about an hour? How would you like to ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train? And I was like, oh, uh, sure. And so they gave us fast passes for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and they also gave us fast passes for another ride. So they gave us two extra fast passes. And my moral of that story is, you know, when you talk to guest relations, they have a lot of power to kind of make things right. Yes, the marathon was out of the control, but they still went out of their way to make it up to us. And I really appreciated that. Great advice. I mean, the squeaky wheel does get the grease and, you know, don't be a jerk and make a cast member's life miserable. But I think a lot of people are sometimes scared to ask for what they need from Disney and Disney cast members are so empowered and they're really able to make magic happen. And yeah. And I just want to be clear, like this is the first time I've ever talked to guest relations about anything like that. Um, I have heard that they're good about giving fast passes, but like, I wouldn't go unless it was 
an actual, you know, to me, it was like part of my thinking was they could have just dropped us off at the transportation and ticket center and we would have saved time that way. So I just wanted to let them know maybe operations could have been a little bit better and they were nice enough to give us some fast passes. And I didn't go in expecting it, but I thought there could be a chance and thankfully uh, it did work out. So I got my daughter on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and I have probably one of my favorite pictures in my entire life. So her and her cousin in the front with their mouths quoting my wife, wider than I thought they could even open. And I'm just laughing at them behind them. Uh, it was a great experience. When she was done, she was like, oh, I guess that was okay. Um, so I think I may have crossed the uh, thrill ride threshold for my older daughter. And that is super exciting to me. That's a big milestone getting on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, I think opens up the gateway for thunder and eventually space, all of that. So great. Great job. Yeah, it was awesome. A couple other tips from Magic Kingdom. My daughter really wanted to see Aladdin Jasmine. She had never gotten their signatures before. So what I did, I kind of employed the Disney Cruise Line strategy. If you look in your My Disney Experience app, they'll say the times that they're meeting. So the first time was from 9.30 to 9.50, which we obviously missed because we were stuck on the bus. And then the second time was like 10.20 to 10.50 or something like that. So what I did was when we got in the park at 10, as soon as we were done at Guest Relations, I had us line up in front of Aladdin and Jasmine immediately at like 10, 10. And so we waited in line for 10 minutes, but when they came at 10, 20, we were like fourth or fifth in line. And so we were done by 10, 25. And even by 10, 15, the line was like maybe 15, 20 people deep behind me. So I'd suggest if there's a character that you really want to see that's not fast passable and you can look up their time in the app, show up 10, 15 minutes in advance. It's kind of like you're more in control of the wait time and that works out really well. And so my daughter was super excited to meet Aladdin and Jasmine. She even wore her Abu shirt and Aladdin was like, you better watch out for him. Can you keep an eye out for him in the park? Make sure he's not trying to steal any lamps. And uh, my daughter was tickled pink by that. So it was a great interaction. Yeah, great tip. And it's also easier to line up when there's not a character like taunting them and where they start counting down the minutes. It's a little bit easier sometimes when they're out of sight, out of mind. So yeah, or the worst is when they need to go on their breaks and you're like right at the front of the line. Oh, so. The worst, the worst. Well, what else did you do at Magic Kingdom? Yeah, I mean, speaking of great character interactions, we had a 11.45 dining reservation at Crystal Palace and Crystal Red Palace remains one of my favorite character meals, both in terms of food and character interactions. We were there pretty early. Uh, you know, I think people eat lunch a little bit later at Disney World. So because we were there earlier, the characters did not have as many people to interact with. So we actually finished seeing, getting everyone's autograph within the first seven or eight minutes we were there. We hadn't even gone to get our food yet. And then we got our food and most of the characters came around at least one more time. Some of them even came around twice just because on the rotations they were passing by us. And since we didn't need to get autographs or anything from them, we just like kind of focused on interacting with them. And it was like a lot of fun, like Tigger, like jump scared my sister. And then Piglet was like running towards my youngest niece, but my youngest niece looked like she wasn't having it. And so then Piglet went into this kind of like slow motion robot walk to go towards her. And it was like really cute and really funny. Uh, we had a lot of interactions. My mom, for some reason, decided to take a picture with Winnie the Pooh by herself. Um, so overall, it was just like a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, uh, just a great time. That's great. It's always wonderful when you have a character meal that just goes above and beyond. It doesn't always happen, but uh, they're, they're, it's great when it does. Definitely. 
All right, so a couple more quick tips, especially in the Magic Kingdom. Get your fast passes done early. There are so many rides to fast pass that if you can get your first three fast passes done by like 11 a.m., use bump and run and other techniques like that. It really opens up the rest of the day. You can just keep getting fast passes for the rest of the day. I think I might have gotten like 12 or 13 fast passes. And this is not like you don't need Magic Fingers for Magic Kingdom fast passes. They're readily available. My sister was getting fast passes for her own kids um, and she had no problem. One small thing is my daughter got to be the beast in Enchanted Tales with Belle. So she got like that one-on-one dance with Belle during that story. So she was super happy and excited about that. So I was really glad she got that experience and more on why I think she got that in Disney do's or in Disney do's and don'ts. And then finally, for happily ever after, one thing I've known is that for the most central part of the hub, they open it up kind of with 10 minutes to go. And that lets a lot of people get closer to the castle at the very end. So I don't know if it'd work every time, but what I did was from 740 to 750, the show was at eight. From 740 to 7.50, I just walked in circles around the hub until they opened up that area. And then I squeezed in there and we got a pretty nice close-up look, which was much of the chagrin of my son who hid in the stroller the whole time. But my daughter really enjoyed the view. Great tip. All right. Well, I know you had extended family in this trip. What was that like? Uh, You mentioned already sort of the slow-moving, bigger group. Yeah. I went into it being like, I'm not going to, you know, send my whole family on the forced march of happiness. I'm going to just take it easy. And I really enjoyed being with my sister and her kids and my parents. You know, it's kind of like the Chung's back together again with the grandkids. You know, it was really just great. You know, we did not, I mean, as you can hear, I got a lot of stuff done, but I definitely didn't get as much done as I could have gotten done. But if you are blessed enough to, you know, have extended family, be able to travel with your parents, like your parents enough to travel with them, I think Disney World is the perfect place to spend with grandparents and kids and grandkids. We just had such a great time and it was just such a nice time to be with my family. And, you know, I think it's something that we'll always cherish and always remember. My mom said, um, I had a great time just watching my grandkids and I had a great time watching my kids when they got along. When they got along. (laughs) Which is pretty funny. Yeah. I think, uh, I think she's, she was having a negative flashbacks from our childhood and she's like, it's just nice to see you guys getting along now. (laughs) That's great. We've had a great time when we brought my parents to Disney world as well. So highly, highly recommend the multi-gen trip. All right, Joe, before we close it out, give us your Disney do's and don'ts from this trip report. All right. So my Disney do is to definitely go to guest relations or to the front desk or wherever, get a pin for either yourself or your kids. If you are celebrating a birthday, they will give you a happy birthday pin. If you're celebrating an anniversary, they'll give you an I'm celebrating pin and they'll say what it is. It really kind of gives cast members an extra thing to interact with you about. My daughter told me she, I think she lost count, but she said, people said happy birthday to me at least 47 times, which over a four day trip is a lot of times. And I do think that part of the reason why she got chosen to be the beast in Enchanted Tales with Belle is because she had that happy birthday pin on. And we were celebrating her birthday. Her birthday's in January. Um, and I actually feel bad for my son because he's born in July. And I'm like, oh, do I have to brave the July heat sometime just so he can have that same experience? But, you know, having that happy birthday pin for her just made her trip a little bit extra special and a little bit extra magic. And so we really appreciated that. Excellent tip. And as a fellow July birthday holder, um, yes, you need to take your son in July. Well, it's my wife that I have to convince. So, (laughs) 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Bringing it full circle. All right. Well, that is my trip report. If you have any other questions, you can contact us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hopefully, you have picked up some tips from this episode. Other than that, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, Leslie, and I will see you at Guest Relations, not because we are talking about something that went wrong, but because we're going to drop off a cast compliment. Thanks, Jeff.